everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros podcast. It is time for week six of the NFL season. The time is flying by, and today, of course, it is Tuesday, and that means that we are going to be taking a little bit of a look back at the week that was and how certain teams have changed their our perceptions of them from week to week here. And here today to help us do that, of course, as always, the Oracle himself, Matt Friedman, and today joining us from the Hammer Network, to help us hammer some of these teams back down. It is none other than Rob Pozzola. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I see what you did there, and I appreciated it. The wordplay always has to be key. <laughs> that is that is paramount in my job description. You should see our Sunday show, where literally my only job is uh, it's Friedman and Pat Fitzmurris, and my job is, while they talk about a game, to think of the pun I'm going to use to transition to the next game. <laughs> I love that. I, I was in that boat before. The segues, they're 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 key. I mean, they're, they they really have a much larger impact than people even realize. I think. Look at Tom here auditioning for a job on the, the Hammer Network. Right? He's not <laughs> he's not even being coy about it. <laughs> well, you know what, Matt? We'll put the job auditions aside right now, and instead, let's talk a little bit about the Hammer Network before we get going here, because Rob, you're. A very interesting cross-section of sports betting here. You are, of course, a professional sports better, but you come from a media background like the rest of us here. How is it that you made that transition and said, wait a second, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. It was actually kind of just dumb luck, really. Uh, I've always been a sports better. When I was um, you know, producing radio shows and, and hosting radio shows in, in my 20s, I was mostly a losing sports better. Uh, and I just got to a point where I didn't really enjoy it anymore. So I stopped for a long period of time. Uh, and I, I took a more of a, an analytical approach to betting sports. Uh, and that seemed to work out for me. And eventually, honestly, I was just found through my my social following. I had developed a pretty large Twitter uh, profile from my uh, my time doing you know on-air gigs in, in Canada. And uh, people just found me organically that were other sharp betters and wanted to work with me. So it, it was just a lucky thing. I never considered it even a remote possibility that I'd be making my living betting on sports. Uh, and I probably wouldn't have had people not reached out to me directly. So the power of social media, I think it's huge nowadays. Uh, but I didn't do anything like I, I didn't consider this uh, a path that I, I wanted to go down. Uh, but I eventually did. And now I get the 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 side of me that that also just misses the content aspect, which is you know sort of why I started the hammer as well. Because uh, as much as I love betting sports, I, I probably enjoy talking about sports even more. And so you talk about the hammer network. There it is, of course. Uh, I, I, is it too is it too late to call it brand new now? Relatively new. Within uh, a, um, we're 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 just over a month since launch, so I'd say it's still pretty pretty relatively new. Yeah, that, that's the definition of brand new right there. And what is it that you guys are doing over there? So essentially, I, I've been following the content space for a long time. Um, I think that you get a lot of sharp content, uh, educational type of stuff in the space. You get a lot of, on the other side, more recreational content, uh, people trying to build up a community. It doesn't really matter to me what you're trying to do in the sports betting content space, as long as you are real with your audience, in my opinion. But I have yet to find someone that or or a company that is kind of encapsulating 
both of those audiences under one umbrella. So what we're trying to build with the Hammer Betting Network was essentially a one-stop shop for any single type of sports better. Whether you're a professional, whether you're someone who just started betting on sports yesterday, whether you're someone who's a, a recreational that's been you know losing at sports betting for years, um, what we wanted to build was content that anyone can consume. So that was the original vision uh, behind it. I think we've successfully pulled it off uh, because we do have like a very big cross-section of, of people that are consuming the content right now. But most importantly to me, what I also wanted to build was a network where it was fully transparent. Um, so every pick that's given out, whether that's in an article or on a video or a podcast is logged and tracked via bet stamp. And we're, we're just real with our audience. We don't, people want, we don't want people coming on and representing themselves as pros when they're just you know, recreational bettors betting 10 bucks a game. I don't discriminate, discriminate against stuff like that. Uh, I just think that someone consuming the content should know who's delivering the content to them. So that's always been something that's important to me. And it was uh, one of the secondary goals in building out the hammer. So Rob, I have a, a question here, you know, and thinking, so I'm, I'm a director of content. And so, you know, I've just, I've been steeped in, in content for years in sports media uh, and started more on the fantasy side at fantasy labs. And that kind of transitioned into, you know, a little more on the sports betting through props first and then sides and totals. And, you know, so I've, I've had a while to kind of think about stuff like this. And I'm wondering, you know, your experience in having formed this new network, have you noticed particular trends in terms of like, oh, I thought that people would be interested in more of the the sharp analysts, you know, like the people who are winning sports bettors have a long track record of success or like, oh, I'm kind of surprised to find that the audience hasn't really cared that much about whether someone is winning or losing, but they gravitate towards mm -hmm. the the persona or they they like hearing, you know, I don't know, like the flair that accompanies the advice. Like, what is it that you've discovered through this process? So it's a great question and, and there's a lot to unpack there. I definitely think that there's obviously a, a different primary goal for everyone that's consuming content, right? So some people might just want picks. Some people might want to get educated. There's some people that just want entertainment value. So I, I think sports betting content, like a lot of people will rag on the more recreational type of stuff, uh, whether that's shorter form content, TikTok, Instagram, things like that. There's an audience for it, obviously. People are consuming this. Uh, I think especially what sports bettors want is a sense of community as well. Um, I, I talk, I use this as an example all the time, but there's someone out there that goes by Book It Trent, uh, has grown a huge following in the space, literally had maybe 10,000 followers last year and is up over 100K now on Twitter. Then you add in the TikTok and Instagram as well. He's doing very well for himself. To me, Trent, uh, people, you know, a lot of people in the sharp space might put him down and be like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't act like he knows what he's talking about. He's very upfront with his audience in the, you know, that he doesn't expect to win in the long run, um, that he's making a lot of common mistakes that a recreational better would make. I think he puts on like very good, casual recreational content in an entertaining way and in a way where he's building a community and people want to, to bet the same things that Trent bets, even though they know he's a losing better because they kind of want to ride the wave with him. And I think that's like, take a step back and, and, Think about that for a second. There are people out there that know this guy is going to lose, still want to bet the same stuff as him because he's developed such engagement amongst his community and people that support one another. So that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me of like, how can we build something out like this? Um, what I particularly wanted to experiment with with the hammer was pairing together a sharp content 
creator with a re more recreational one and seeing if we could do numbers in those types of videos or podcasts and so on and so forth. So far, I would say that that's been an overwhelming success. So um, not necessarily a learning because it was like a hypothesis that I had going in that we might be able to draw people from both communities into one. But what I've particularly noticed is it hasn't just been like a drop off after the week one video or the week two video. Those are actually growing audiences over time. So now you're getting people who would have traditionally viewed solely recreational content who are now exposed to a sharper sports better and vice versa. Um, people who consumed only sharp sports betting content that are now you know, exposed to a more entertaining personality, something like that. So I think for me, that's kind of been the biggest learning, or at least um, I should say, just like kind of proving the hypothesis, so to speak. But um, I, I would like to really bridge content from, you know, both ends of the spectrum, essentially. Uh, and, and I'm happy when we've been able to do that so far. And, and one of the things about Book It, I was talking with uh, Adam Rosenberg from Action a while ago, and we discussed their success and what they've been able to do. And the key for them is they set up, and you, you touched on it there, with the, Trent is not coming out there pretending to be sharp. He's not saying I've won 100 straight bets. He's not trying to scam anybody like that. Book It celebrates the loser. And that's something that no one else in the space really does. And that's why they've been able to foster this community in that, in that area, because it, it's fun. They're all about just riding it. They're all about just, we're here to be casual betters and, uh, and have a good time watching and sweating out this game together. And maybe we'll hit on some of these, but we're here for the ride, not the, not the destination. Exactly. Well, we, we know from, from just industry studies, right. That, like 98 to 99% of bettors are going to lose in the long yeah. run at sports betting. I don't know why people try to hide from that. I get it. There's like an ego associated with sports betting where you think that you know sports. You think that you should be able to win at betting. Uh, some people are just embarrassed. This is, this is their day job. They're putting out content. They're embarrassed that they can't win at sports betting. It's very difficult to do. And honestly, I think if people were just more real about it, that would be... It, like it's fine. It's totally fine. I, I don't think, I think you gain more credibility in the space. If you're real about your experiences, than the credibility you'd lose because of being a losing sports better. Most people lose. That's the reality of the situation. I've had losing NFL seasons. I bet NFL professionally. I've had losing NHL seasons. I bet NHL professionally. It's fine. I'm comfortable saying that it's hard to win in the long run. So uh, I think what resonates with Trent's audience is that he's real frankly. And I think what a lot of, I mean, a lot of people are able to get away with misrepresenting themselves because the consumer maybe is not able to pick up on certain verbiage or things that they might say that would actually expose themselves that other sharp bettors are able to pick up on. Uh, but I just think that there's room in this space nowadays for people to produce content and say, I'm not a winning better, but you know what, if you want to tell me, here's what I like, and here's my process. Here's how I arrived at this pick. And I think people find that just as entertaining and engaging as the pick itself. So um, to each their own, I just think that the space needs to be cleaned up in the sense that um, people just need to be more honest with their, their audiences. And you touch on that honesty being such an important part of it, because for, for some content groups, like especially any of us here on on this show right now no one's trying to deceive anybody like you said it's very clear when matt gives out a pick he's going this is my process this is what i'm looking at and it's destined to be a loser by yes. the way yeah. especially if you're saying i got this at two and a half and now the lines moved all the way to five yeah. guaranteed loser yeah. but other than that other than and we're honest about that but 
the problem in the space, especially when it comes to these casual betters, because you talk about the people that maybe are just trying to get into it, the people who hopefully are watching these videos when they go on YouTube and they search, okay, I want to find some bets for the week. Let me search week six NFL bets. These are the videos that are coming up, but then the other people that are coming up and the people that they're going to see on social media, you know, it's that dark side, that seedier side of it, where you have those tout services who are out there saying, oh, I've won a hundred straight bets. I'm a 78% overall sports better. And anyone who's in the space immediately can know, okay, well, you're lying to me right now. But a lot of these casual guys will get absolutely deceived by that and then end up paying for picks when it's already hard enough to go and win on your own. If you're just tailing a guy's email list that he blasts out and for all you know, he's sending the exact opposite side to half of his list and you're getting you're just getting a coin flip. It, it can be a problem. And then it turns off people from the space. And then all of a sudden, it, it it is very much just a negative part of the community and something that guys like us have to try and do our best to just be able to beat them to the punch and be the guys to get that outreach out to these casual fans before. Right. And I honestly don't know what the solution to that is other than I just don't want to be part of that problem. So yeah. like I, I approach sports and like life in a moral type of way. I'm sure I can make way more money than I do right now if I was to market myself and I've built up a huge following of people who think or or like they know that I make a living on sports, but they think I'm I'm you know just winning and raking in dough. That's not the way it works, but I could market that in a way where I can make a ton of money. I choose not to uh, because I think that there's like a moral problem with that. I'm not saying that you can't go about that in any way, but personally, I see the same things as you do, right? You Google sports betting terms, you're not going to get the, you know, the best piece of content, you're going to get the one that is invested the most into SEO. And that's mm-hmm. going to rank on the first page of Google. And a lot of times that's just going to be stuff that is totally misleading. Um, but, you know, there's companies that are investing tons of money into search engine optimization, and they're able to rank for this stuff, you go on to Twitter or TikTok or Instagram, or wherever you consume your sports betting content. And you're going to follow people that have massive followings that might have no idea what they're talking about, but they've somehow been able to build a following. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy, um, you know, place to, to, to navigate. And as you know, 20 year old myself, I paid for picks. I followed people on social media who's picked, like, I didn't know about short-term trends. I believed in, in betters being hot and betters being cold and basically any sort of trope that you could fall into. Uh, I sort of did that. So I've learned through experience. Unfortunately, I just don't know of a solution where, you know, collectively the landscape is just going to change overnight. It's not, this is what's successful in the space. Um, it, it's a supply and demand issue, right? There's a, there's demand for picks. So there's always going to be people supplying those picks behind a paywall. Um, there's demand for all sorts of stuff in this space. So it's it's really challenging to navigate. Um, I just do what I can to put out as much quality educational material as possible. And for any brands that I represent, I try to do it in a way where I'm very explicit about how we make money and you know what I feel is important for, for the brand as a whole. Uh, so that that's sort of the way that I approach it. Yeah, it's kind of the only solution, you know, it's it's like with free speech, the only counter to bad speech is good speech. And we just have to be putting out as much good content and good things for betters to tip pick up that we can. And as friend of the show, Captain Jack always says, do no harm. That's mm-hmm. got to be our goal at the end of the day is to be giving out the best advice that we can and 
hopefully bettering everybody else in the process. Guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. My friends and I changed over this year and I absolutely love it. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in a football game or number of points in a basketball game. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a Sleeper account today and Sleeper will automatically credit your account $100 to get you started. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper.com for details. I was very, very confident in my theory that no two good things can happen in a row to the New York Jets. As a Jets fan, it does not happen to us often. And instead, somehow, the Jets now sit at 3-2 and two And therefore, because I am the one who made the rundown, we are talking about the New York Jets as our first team on the rankings, guys. I'm not saying Super Bowl. All I'm saying is maybe instead of like a dumpster fire, we're a recycling bin now. And that is massive positive direction trending that I have not seen from this team in a while. I know that the quarterbacks that they've beaten now are Mitch Trubisky slash Kenny Pickett, Jacoby Brissett, and Skylar Thompson but I don't care. Wins are wins. What do you guys think of this team right now? Are they at least looking like potentially a competent franchise? I mean, they're definitely on on the rise. I don't know how much that says about the franchise as a whole, considering where they, they were. Um, really, really tough to gauge because we have this very large sample of Zach Wilson last year, which was horrible, dreadful. Um, so far, not so bad. Uh, that this includes injuries on the offensive line. Dwayne Brown did come back off the IR this week, but aside from that, they've been basically every tackle that they've had has been hurt at one point or another. So seeing them with this record, considering the offensive line injuries, regardless of the schedule, I think it's definitely a team that's on the uphill. It's more of a question now of where do they actually fall into the market here? Because they play a green Bay team. Now that's maybe in the eyes of some, not a legit contender anymore after losing to the giants. So I think this week is really a true test for the Jets uh, in terms of actually going up against a competent quarterback now. Um, The defense, in terms of both success rate and EPA per play this year, has been below average for the Jets when you account for the the schedule that they faced and adjusting for the quality of opponents. So I don't know what to make of them just yet. I don't just dismiss a team because of who they've played so far. I think you can still learn stuff from those games. Uh, But ultimately... It's it's a very wide range of what it can be, right? Because Zach Wilson is just we don't know. We I, we still have no idea yet, and um, I think this is really a test for them this week against the Packers. I know for a fact that this is the week that I'm going to go ahead and say, oh yeah, they can cover a touchdown against the Packers, and then they're going to go out and get blown out. They're making me believe, and that is the most dangerous time. But Matt, what do you think both about the Jets and the Packers now? Because like like you said, Rob, 
this team just went out and now lost to the Giants after the overtime Bailey Zappi game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time to worry about the Packers, right? Yeah, I, man, I, I do want Rob's thoughts on this because we do have two really interesting teams. I've, from the beginning of the uh, the preseason or offseason, I've moved up in my power ratings, the Jets, a point from where I had them. Uh, their defense, as Rob said, it's still below average when you adjust for schedule, but even uh, even below average is still much better than they were last year. So I do think we've seen a significant progression from that team. With the Packers, I kind of gave a lot of their early season struggles a pass because they didn't have their full offensive line there. They were missing their two tackles to start the year. They didn't have the number one wide receiver. You know, uh, Jair Alexander was working his way back from an injury. So, like, there were things that you could kind of contextualize around this team to say, okay, they're not at full capacity here, but when they get their players back within the new offensive system they're going to have, they're going to start to progress. And we haven't seen that. And I this, for me, is like the litmus test. Because in the look-ahead market, I believe this number was nine, nine and a half. And it opened at seven and a half. And then now it's at seven. So if you are a Green Bay backer, and I kind of thought of myself in that vein, like I was relatively high on this team entering the season. This is a really bad sign. And so it's signaling to me, I need to move them more in my power ratings than I have. Uh, And this number of seven, I am still inclined to take it with the Packers because I do think that the Jets... I think, you know, they've probably been a little bit inflated because of their performances recently. And, you know, I don't want to buy too much into, you know, like longer term trends, but Aaron Rodgers at home, he's just a cover machine. Aaron Rodgers is a favorite historically is a cover machine and he's going against a defense that I still think is, you know, not up to, not up to average. And, the defense is going against an offense that still has, you know, as, as Rob mentioned, a quarterback with a decent sample size of vast underperformance. So even though we have seen the market from last week to this week move drastically against the Packers, I'm still on them in this spot, but it's, it's tentative. I say I'm on them knowing that I still need to adjust them down in my power ratings. I don't think that I can lay seven points with the Packers right now against anyone, even the Jets. I think that's my biggest problem here. But what's befuddling me, and Rob, I want to get your thoughts on the Packers as well, but what's befuddling me with this Jets team is how this defense is still performing the way it is because you look at the parts. Mm -hmm. Corner's pretty good. DJ Reed apparently was PFF top 25 corner this week. Sauce Gardner does not look like a rookie. I'm loving that pick. I'm loving what he's going to bring to this team for the future, but he's already looking like the part. The defensive line, whole lot of depth. Quinnen, depth. Quinnen Williams is a fantastic uh, fantastic rusher up the middle, and they have starter quality about seven guys deep on that D-line. The linebackers are Quan Alexander and C.J. Mosley. Yeah, that's your 2019 all-star team, but they're still good guys. And yet the stats aren't backing it up. This defense isn't performing to the level that I feel like they should be with all of the talent that they really do have here. And I don't what's, understand it. Yeah, what's even more interesting, I think, about um, looking at the Jets' defense is that they've been a pretty low blitz team this year. 
uh, blitzing on just over 15% of opposing dropbacks, but they've generated the third highest pressure in the entire league at 29%. Now, again, some of that might be quality of competition. Um, I, 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 again, I, I just want to reiterate like the jets to me, there's such a wide gap on what they could be. Uh, I went into the year having them about five points worse than a team, uh, than an average team on neutral. I have them about three and a half points worse on neutral right now, but I, I that could be so many different things. Um, with the Packers, we just finished five weeks in the NFL, right? And this is sort of like the time where you're getting off your priors of teams going into the year. And if I was just looking at the Packers without knowing anything about this team from previous seasons, who the quarterback is, they would look like a very average team to me right now. Uh, they have two very exploitable weaknesses. And I think until they show that they can fix that, I don't know that I can consider them much more than just like a slightly above average team. And I know it sounds insane to say it, but they cannot stop the run. Teams are just running the ball down their throat. Back-to-back weeks, Patriots, Giants, just pushing that D-line around. They cannot stop it. I think you will see the Jets try to do the exact same thing thing this week. Uh, offensively, they can't stretch the field. Um, aside from like a, a Christian Watson drop deep ball a few weeks ago, I think it was the first play of the game, maybe against the Bucs. Trying to remember who it was, but yeah. They, they really are not throwing downfield anymore. It's just everything underneath. Opponents are giving them that quick screen pass, whether it's the wide receiver, whether they're dumping it off to running backs. But the average depth of target for Aaron Rodgers is way lower than it was historically in his career. And they got to figure out how to solve at least one of these two problems. They got to be able to stretch the field or they got to be able to stop the run on defense until they figure out how to do that. It's just very hard to lay these big numbers with them. And just to add, it's not even the Packers really. It's most teams in the NFL where I just don't want to lay a big number with them because there's very few teams that have shown the ability to separate and continue holding that lead throughout the game outside of maybe the Bills so far this year. I can think of so many teams that look like they have had games completely under control and then all of a sudden you're scratching your head and you're like, how did we get here? And this seems to be the new NFL. Maybe I'm, I'm just overreacting to small sample size, but it's definitely been a trend this year of teams just not being able to close games as well. The NFL has perfected parity to the point where every team is now bad. <laughs> yeah. It's and, and to Rob's just to follow up on what Rob said, I, I too have uh, the jets at exactly three and a half below average. So we're, we are in lockstep there. And you know, for the Packers, Rob, maybe to solve this problem with stretching the field, maybe they could make some phone calls. Maybe Devonte Adams is available from the Raiders. They could try and pick a guy like him up. That, that would probably be useful for them. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I mean, as long as he's not hitting people on the way out of the field and getting himself suspended. Full credit to that camera guy. They'll go into the hospital. Get your bag, man. Get your bag. 100%. I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next team that we got to talk about here, you know what? I'm going to push them down the list because I want to talk about a team real quick because you mentioned so many teams have been able to get out to these quick leads, get out to these big leads, and then are managing to watch them evaporate and saying, how did we get here? And I think no one's done that more than the 5-0 and Eagles. They've been able to pull out all of these wins so far, but they've let a lot of teams back into a lot of games so far this season. And it's the question that we've been asking since the dawn of time, are the birds real? What do you think about this team so far at 5-0, and Rob? I think they're very real. Um, I think they're neck and neck with the Bucks in terms of favorites in the NFC right now. Uh, I actually have the Eagles slightly ahead of the Bucks. A lot of people would give me criticism for that or flack for that. 
Uh, last week's game against the Cardinals, just from like a pure success rate standpoint, uh, yards per play was much, you know, it was pretty even uh, considering the Eagles went up early. I should point out though, and I think a lot of people are not realizing that in that game, they were already missing their left tackle, Jordan Mailata, Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, both got hurt early on in that game. So basically the entire left side of their offensive line uh, was out for, you know, vast majority of that game. And that has an impact. Now, It'll be interesting to see who's playing against the Dallas Cowboys this week. But overall, the Eagles, to me, are just a stack team. Like, if you just look at their pure positional groups, offensive line, top five, arguably number one. Defensive line, top five. Secondary, especially when you look at the starting two corners that they have there. Uh, Avante Maddox, when he's healthy as a nickel corner, deep. You know, wide receiving core skill position amazing it's really Jalen Hurts that is the question mark but as long as Jalen Hurts is well protected and can toss it up to Devontae Smith and AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard whenever they're one-on-one in their matchups I see a very very high floor for the Philadelphia Eagles so will they eventually have a stinker game where they lose probably no teams are immune to that but just on paper and even production wise this season uh, I don't see the, you know, I don't see the negative case or why anyone would be bearish about this team going forwards, uh, unless people think that the, the league is just going to catch up to what they're doing on offense, which I don't think that they will. So very high on the Eagles um, and obviously big statement game for them this week against the Cowboys. What do you think is going to happen against your Cowboys here, Matt? Cowboys are going to lose. That's, I mean, you know, just obviously, because yeah. uh, I, you know, I haven't bet on them yet, but if I really want to lock in the loss for the Cowboys, I, I would bet on the Cowboys. Um, the, the idea of the Eagles as one of the best teams in the leagues uh, in the league, I'm, I'm right there with Rob. And actually uh, the comparison of Philadelphia to Tampa Bay, I have the Eagles as four points better than average team. And I have the Buccaneers as 3.75 points better than average. So I, I'm right there with them and having the Eagles just a little bit above the Buccaneers. And I don't think, you know, looking ahead to this game, I don't think we're going to see Dak Prescott play. He, he didn't practice at all last week. Um, they said he would need to get, you know, a full week of practice. You know, he doesn't have the ability to grip yet. So I don't think he's going to play. Uh, and, if that's the case, I think this line of five and a half that we see here, and it was five and a half uh, in the the look ahead market, it opened at five, and now it's actually sorry, it opened at five and a half, and now it's moved down to five, and that movement kind of surprises me because I don't I don't think it's warranted. I don't think this line should be moving towards the Cowboys. If anything, I think it should be moving towards the Eagles. I would agree with you on that one. I'm a Cowboys fan as well, so I'll try to make this as unbiased as possible. Um, Listen, they have not played a game this year, the Cowboys, where the final score has been in the 40s. So they're playing very, very low scoring games. Five games now, all 30s uh, or less, essentially. Cooper Rush, I'm, I'm very happy what he's been able to accomplish as a backup. However, this is a game where he's now playing up you know, step up in class in terms of opponent. And Dallas's defense has won them a lot of these games. And their pass rush specifically has won them a lot of these games. Now you are going strength against strength because the Eagles have such a great offensive line, presuming that their their entire offensive line is going to play this week, which I think is likely to happen. You have Micah Parsons, who may not be 100% going into this week as well, who got dinged up in the fourth quarter there. So this is now a game where Cooper Rush has to do something. It's not 
go in there, manage the game, don't make mistakes. It's it's make some plays. And I don't know that I've watched every Cowboys game. Again, I don't want to slander the guy. He's he he has done a great job as a backup, but is he ready to compete in this type of game and go throw for throw with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense? I don't think so. So I, I think the market is now a little bit too high on Dallas based off what they've accomplished, largely against teams that have horrible offensive lines. The Dallas has just been in the backfield on every play against the teams they've played in recent weeks. I think this game is going to go very differently. I think the Eagles are, are uh, I have them even power rated even higher here. I have them five points better uh, than an average no. team on a neutral. Um, so uh, this would be a Philadelphia or nothing game. I think this is the one where Dallas comes back down to earth guys the next team that we want to talk about here matt rule is going to make about eight hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars a month for the next 48 months or so not a bad heist for the man who has managed to be what one in 20 in games where your opponent scores 17 or more points that's that that's just downright incredible but where do the panthers go from here obviously steve wilk's not going to be the long-term answer they should probably give ben McAdoo a shot someone needs to just for the memes. But uh, what are we going to do about this team? The defense has been good this season. The offense has obviously, if we were to compare them to a college quarterback, they'd be general booty. But where is this team going to go? Are they going to be trading away key pieces here? We already saw the Bills were asking about Christian McCaffrey, which would be unfair. DJ Moore, another guy who is hopefully being shown the door. Is this team going to start selling players off, or do you think there's going to be a little bit of that new coach bump for the week that now that Matt Rule is at least gone. Very difficult to say. Um, obviously in the short term, I think they're still playing to win new head coach, a uh, new quarterback this week. It, I mean, obviously PJ Walker's played before, but Baker Mayfield essentially going to be out a few weeks as well. I think it's, it's too early to say that the season is over. And at least that's the way that NFL teams will approach it. What should they do? I mean, they've they've had a lot of high draft picks in recent years. Essentially, probably build around those. J.C. Horn, uh, who actually got injured last week. Um, obviously, Derek Brown, Gross Matos on the offense on the de- defensive line. Excuse me as well. So I still think they have like a young core that they can build around. But this, let's be real here. Like this is not going to be their season. They'll probably lose a few more games, and then the writing's on the wall. And try to get whatever you can for any piece that's valuable at this point, and enter the rebuild. And I try to get that, you know, as high draft pick as possible. So that's what Carolina is. Matt Rule set this franchise back quite a bit. Not only him, though, you mentioned Ben McAdoo, like the play calling on offense is, you know, if, if you if you were to play a game where you could, you know, guess run or pass and every single time you guess correctly in the first quarter, you had to take a shot, you'd be drunk like two minutes into the game because you, everybody knows what the Panthers are going to do at all times on offense. It's It's horrible to watch. So uh, bad football team, some pieces to build around going forwards, but uh, you're seeing it now this week, right? They're, they're still a double digit underdog against the Rams who cannot even, they can't score. The Rams cannot actually move the football right now. And that's how much the, the market has come down on Carolina. So um, tough, tough spot to be in, but I think this is a full rebuild mode. The writing was on the wall for this team when they said we need offensive help this offseason, and their solution was to hire Ben McAdoo. There was no one who put any faith in this team from that point. I don't know what Rule was thinking. Uh, Matt, do we need to spend any more time on the Panthers, or are you good here? 
Uh, I think we should dedicate the rest of the podcast to the Panthers. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, I, I can't believe I, I need to look this up just to make sure I'm saying something that is accurate, but the Panthers have actually scored more points this year than the Rams, right? Yes. Like that actually has happened. And one, I just don't understand how that's happened. And then two, given that that has happened, it's not that I can't understand uh, why the Rams are favored or anything like that, but double digits, that is a lot for a team that has massively underwhelmed to date. That said, uh, I mean, I don't know if I would actually want to be the sicko who bets on Carolina in this spot. Uh, give me a few days and I probably will be that sicko, but uh, I don't know if I'm ready to do it on a Tuesday. This is absolutely a Matt Friedman trademark game right here. You're going <laughs> right. to do it. We both right. know that on Thursday's show, yeah. you're going to come on and say, one of my favorite games this week is Carolina 10 and a half. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, eight, the Rams have 80 points in five games and they're spotting, you know, 10 and a half this week. How, I mean, I don't know how you bet the Rams. It's just a question. I'm in the same boat as you, Matt. Like, can I lay off of Carolina? Um, I don't know. It's going to, it's the same reason. Bet. It's the same reason I haven't wanted to bet the Packers the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the teams that they're playing aren't any good, but if you're going to lay double digits, you have to score double digits, and they're having trouble doing that. I mean, think think about this. Okay, as bad as the Rams have been, this line in the in the off season was seven and a half or eight. It was nine and a half in the look ahead market, and now it's eleven. How is that like as bad as the Rams have been? How have the Panthers managed to be worse relative to expectations? Like, I don't think that that has actually happened. Like, I think the Rams have massively underperformed their expectations much more than the Panthers have. I think potentially you could give the Rams a little bit of credit because the last two weeks where they've looked horrible uh, was Dallas and San Fran, both yeah. teams that have a huge mismatch against their O-line. Now, Carolina's D-line is fine, but it's just not going to generate the same type of pressure that the 49ers and Cowboys do. So potentially, you might get that Stafford game like he had against Atlanta earlier this year. Atlanta's on another extreme, though. Atlanta's just like, don't generate pressure. Carolina's somewhere in the middle. So I think there's like some upside still with the Rams offense, and, and there's a little bit of recency bias overall just because of horrible matchups for them. But it's still a ton of points. And again like they're not immune to the backdoor cover either they had that game against Atlanta where it was 28 to 3 uh and you know the Falcons were trying to redeem themselves from the 28 to 3 Super Bowl against New England and make the comeback there they ultimately fell short but uh I don't know it's 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 just so challenging to lay points in the NFL nowadays with the amount of end game variance that is here and we don't really know that that walk like Historically speaking, Walker is a downgrade from Mayfield, but Mayfield is so bad this year. You know, he's getting passes knocked down left and right at the line of scrimmage. They couldn't do anything. Who knows what Walker is going to be? I mean, it's it's very difficult to say that he's going to be a severe downgrade as the market is suggesting a couple point downgrade from the look ahead line. So uh, tough one, but I, I could never lay this price with L.A. Just I, never. It's not in my repertoire whatsoever. Yeah, and yeah, at least bad. Walker does have that athleticism. Like, he has the running ability that Baker Mayfield thinks he has, but definitely does not have. Right. Yep. Guys, football season is here, and if you want to get in on the action, we recommend heading on over to our friends at BetMGM. 
The king of sportsbooks is offering up the king of promotions right now. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a BetMGM account today, and you will get a $1,000 risk-free bet for your first bet. That's right. You get a $1,000 risk-free bet just for using the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for an account with BetMGM. So get in on the action today, guys. Enjoy the football season, and let's cash some tickets together. Now back to the show. Now, how about another team here that obviously was impressing people to start the season and now two weeks later have cooled off significantly, the Jaguars. Uh, I, I kind of want to throw out the game against the Eagles because, for one, you were playing against the Eagles, and two, it was a monsoon, so Trevor Lawrence having four fumbles, not the biggest concern to me in that environment. And then this Houston game, now on the one hand, I'm sitting here going, well, it's not great when you lose to the Texans. But on the other hand, they haven't beaten the Texans in four years. And it's one of those things kind of like you look at the Rams and the uh, the Rams and the Niners or the Cardinals and the Niners, where one team just is so familiar with the other and just has their number no matter what both teams look like in a particular year. Do you think Jacksonville is going to get back to their winning ways? Not Again, not necessarily talking about that. It's the South. They could very well push for the playoffs. Is this team on the rise or was it a mirage? I personally don't know yet. So I was not as high on Jacksonville as everyone going into the year. I thought they'd obviously be better. It's hard to be worse than a season ago, but a lot of people, you know, touting them to be, you know, a winning team and so on and so forth. Um, but my adjustment on the Colts has been huge as well over the course of the year. So I think it's very possible Jacksonville wins this game, but it doesn't really tell us a whole lot about them going forwards and they still might be a bad team just because the Colts are so bad. Uh, I think that this is going to be the game in market where you see a lot of action back and forth. Uh, so far from what I've seen, uh, at least in order flow on this game, there are people who like the Colts. There are people who like the Jags. Um, if this were earlier in the year, I would absolutely 100% have bet the Colts at this price. But now I've st strongly leaned towards the Jags. Um, they've at least shown us something. Like Indianapolis, I get that they're 2-2-1. Two, two and one, But the win against Kansas City, a game where I bet Indy, was about as big a facade of a win that we will see all season long. Uh, I, I still don't know how the Colts won that game. Uh, and then just looking at Denver Thursday night football, again, like they were, they should have lost the game. And that was about as bad as the Broncos could play overall. Uh, ultimately, until I see something from the Indianapolis offense, I, I just, I don't know where they're, like how they're really going to move the ball. Jacksonville can get a pass rush going. Um, the Indy O-line cannot block anything right now. And Matt Ryan is just, not only is he a statue, it'd be fine if he just stood there and took a sack, but he seems to fumble on like every other play as well. He can't hold on to the ball, which makes it so much worse. Uh, I lean heavily towards Jacksonville. Um, I, I, you know, maybe 10 days to prepare for Frank Reich is something. I, I, I don't, I'm struggling to come up with other reasons where I could lay points with Indianapolis at home, even at a small number. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, like Rob, I was pretty low on Jacksonville to start the year. They were one of my lowest rated teams. And so they are the team that I've actually moved up the most in terms of point differential from the start of the year to now. Uh, and, you know, yeah, Indy has moved down. So I have them now within a point of each other. And I'm actually curious 
I, I still, I want to get Rob's thoughts on this. I still have a slight lean towards the Colts just based on my numbers, but I don't want to bet it. I for sure don't want to bet it. Uh, and Rob, I'm curious, do you actually have the Jags ahead of the Colts now? I do. So I have these both yeah. below average teams in the league. I have Indy one and a half worse than a league average team and the Col- uh, excuse me, the Jags about one point worse. I, I still think there's yeah. a very wide range on the Jags. So the one thing that the numbers are not going to tell you with the Jags is that they beat Indy in week two without the Colts having two of their top three receivers in that game. And then their game against the Chargers really skews everything, but everyone on the Chargers was hurt. Like that was a... a it was the Justin Herbert first game off the rib injury, taking a shot before he was going to play the game, offensive line injuries, Keenan Allen, defensive injuries. Like they, they they caught the chargers at the best possible spot. And my numbers don't necessarily capture that at no one's will right now. Right. It's just like they played the chargers. They won in such an impressive fashion. So I think the Jags could be anything. I think nobody knows what the Jags are right now. I think Indy, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be, horrible offensively for the remainder of the year yeah i i have the jags like you i have the jags minus one uh i i haven't adjusted the colts far enough i'm just gonna like imagine that that is the case for me i still have them around zero and that that does feel a little bit too high given the trajectory of this team I uh, I am very concerned with who is the quarterback for the Colts next year and the year after that. Eventually, Tom Brady's got to go there to finish his career, right? Because this is just now where quarterbacks go to die. Your final destination is Indy. This is going to be their, what, fourth in four years? Even worse? Yeah, it's Pick tough. Fifth. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, I thought this would be... I, I was high on the Colts going into the year. I honestly thought this would be like a Phillip River season where yeah. they're good enough to compete, yeah. probably not good enough to to get over the hump. But... I even watched Matt Ryan in preseason and he didn't look anywhere near as bad as this. Now you get to, you know, full, you know, hundred percent game. You're playing against first team defense every single time. And the the O-line is just a huge problem. Um, we'll see if Jonathan Taylor can play. Honestly, if he does, I'm not sure it has that much of an impact because of the ankle injury and coming back on, you know, what's deemed to be short rest for that type of injury. But they they have to get something going on the ground or else if Matt Ryan's just in these consistent third and long situations, it's, it's, it's impossible for them to move the chains. It's almost like maybe your highest paid offensive lineman shouldn't be your guard, but Hey, <laughs> right. it is what it is. Yeah. Now, one more team that I want to talk about here before we talk about the absolute game of the week in Thursday night football this week, the Raiders, it was an interesting Monday night game last night uh, when we're recording this right now. And, you know, all of a sudden for this team, it's still an impressive cover. And really, they were right there to win it. A defensive holding call on a missed field goal. Are you you kidding me? Fun fact, but fun fact, by the way, here, not only are the Raiders the only team that can benefit from one of the most ridiculous calls that I've ever seen and still somehow end the game job by the refs. Do you know the last time a defensive holding has been called on a field goal? I couldn't tell you. 2015 and take a wild guess at the team it was called on i'm gonna guess it was the raiders it was the raiders (laughs) you can't make this stuff up with this team and now they sit here one and four and they're like the lions of last year they have not lost the game by more than one possession just yet and this was definitely some of the best football that they've played so far 
can you move them up at all? Like this team ha- does have a lot of talent and apparently also pushes cameramen now, but that was a tough loss for them. What are you thinking about the Raiders going forward? Matt, I know that you think that they're terrible and I was with you. I thought they were going to get blown out in this game, but I'm still impressed by what we saw there. I was impressed. I was impressed by what we saw last night, actually. You know, uh, I, yeah, I mean, they, they should have won. They should have won that game. It was right yeah. there. And so yeah, after that game, regardless of outcome, uh, I bumped them up to the power ratings and I bumped the chiefs down the power ratings. I, I think that's the only way you can respond to that game. Really? I don't think you need to bump. Eh, I, I guess if you're that low on the Raiders, you have to bump the chiefs down a little, but they still got it done at the end. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. So like the thing with the chiefs and there's scientific data to support this, they actually do as much as I joke about it, they do have two playbooks. They have the, the, you know, we don't want to show you anything because we have a big game next week playbook. Yeah. And I think that's what we got from the chiefs offense for a large majority of last night's game. Like you didn't get any crazy plays that they're accustomed to doing. Obviously they have Buffalo on deck this week, which is a huge game. Um, now you can argue divisional game against the Raiders, Monday night football, big game as well. But we've seen this for Andy Reid for many years now going on many years. So I don't know how much I, I can trust my adjustments based off last night's game. I, I will say like this Raiders team is just the opposite of the Raiders team a year ago. Cause the Raiders team a year ago was nowhere near as good as their record indicated, had all of these close wins, fluky wins, they go to the playoffs. They almost upset the Bengals in the playoffs on the road. Came down to that interception that uh, that car threw in the, in the red zone, in the end zone, I think, of that game. But now it's like the opposite. And you're just kind of seeing like water find its level, so to speak, where I don't think they're much different than the team from last year. I'm not a huge Josh McDaniels fan overall. Uh, I think he loses me at several times. But this is the healthiest that they've been in a while. They got their center, Andre James, back last week. They got Hunter Renfro back this week. They lose Darren Waller mid-game, which is going to hurt them. But I think at full health, the Raiders are fine. You're going to get an above-average offense and a well-below-average defense, and they're going to compete in a lot of games because their offense is able to overcome a lot of that. Uh, But ultimately, they're just not at that echelon of the upper-tier teams in the league, and they're going to lose a lot of close games. So um, I don't know. I think the Raiders are just like a very close to a league-average team right now. KC, I do slightly downgrade them off of last night's performance. You you do have to account for that game whatsoever. Uh, but I feel like we didn't get the we didn't get like the week before Sunday night football, Chiefs and Bucks. The amount of crazy plays in that game, you know, Mahomes flip passes, you got the, the shovel pass at the goal line, tight ends taking a snap at the goal line, running a touchdown. Like that's that's when the Chiefs are at their their full power. And that's really what like their their ceiling is extremely high. I don't think we saw it last night. The Raiders redefining zero coverage as zero defenders on Travis Kelsey <laughs> was a bold call. I don't think that one paid off, but I am absolutely against the common Twitter uh, Twitterverse take of last night that they shouldn't have gone for that two point conversion. You go for that too. That that made sense there. Um, I I'm fine with it. I don't know one way or another. I'm okay with that decision. Um, typically speaking, obviously you wait till much later in the game if you're going to attempt that because it's it's sort of a guaranteed win at that spot. But uh, I'm okay with them going for two if they feel like if they onside kick it there if they don't get it. Because I feel like at that point, you're just like, our defense really doesn't have a hope in this game for the most part. Uh, We need something lucky. 
I don't know. It was a weird game overall in terms of the the fourth down calling. I liked a lot of what I saw. Obviously, the fourth down in the first half. People love to blame the Raiders for going for two with ignoring the fact that they went for fourth down and scored a 60-yard touchdown in the first half. That like was the most massive play of the game in terms of win expectancy added. So that's what kills you with the discourse. And then they didn't go for it on the next fourth and one, and they kicked the field goal to go up 17-0, and that was the turning point. That's the play I have a problem with. That's, you know, actually, Tom, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are points where Josh McDaniels with his offense, it looks really intriguing. Uh, And then there are some times when he makes decisions and you think, okay, like that is sharp. The thing is, like he doesn't string decisions together that make you see the consistency of like a coherent thought or coherent like philosophy about how he's going to attack opponents. And so that is the thing that really makes me hesitant about the Raiders. I, I think just, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, I think one thing that as somebody who's a, a math guy and like a proponent of analytics and like making math-based decisions in game, the one thing that drives me crazy about the discourse is that we have no idea what's going through the coach's head in that moment, right? I have no idea if Josh McDaniels has somebody telling him whether he should go for it or not. And I wish that we could just get some someone in the in the locker room after the game or like the post-game press that says walk me through this decision and then you know press the guy on it like did you make this decision on your own in the heat of the moment did did, were you processing some sort of because everything gets filtered back to analytics ruining the game that's like oh like this guy doesn't know what he's doing analytics are ruining the game and it's like i have no idea what factored into that those josh mcdaniel's decisions uh, I don't know what Brandon Staley's doing this year. Has he just completely dismissed? Like, uh, apparently he has. Apparently right. he is ignoring them. But but I would like to know that so that the not everything that negatively that happens on fourth down or a two point conversion is just comes back to like oh analytic. I'd love to see a coach come out and just be like yeah you know I I I didn't know what the numbers were and I thought we should go for it or punt it in that situation so that maybe one time somebody could not blame the analytics movement for a negative outcome of a game. Yeah. We also actually bet real money on a game where the crowd basically made a ref cry and that determined the outcome of the game. This is absolutely ridiculous with the officiating in this league, but that's a story for a different podcast here because we have to get to the barn burner of the week. This is going to be an absolute banger, ladies and gentlemen. This is the future of football, the Bears versus the Commanders. It's minus one to a pick them in some spots right now. Guys, I want to start it off looking at the total here. Rob, over under five viewers Thursday night. Oh, there's going to be over five viewers because there's going to be way more than that are that are actually betting this game because they have nothing yeah. else to do, right? I mean, the, the quality of the, the game action, guys. is not really affecting the, the the ticket amounts for the most part for Thursday night football. It could be any game in there yep. and, and people are going to watch it somehow. So uh, I, I, I still say uh, over and they're like my Twitter feed on Thursday night will be people complaining about everything to do with this game. It's going to be the forced why it's going to be like clockwork orange where we're just going to be taping our eyes open and forcing ourselves to watch this absolute trash fest. But where are you looking in this game? I personally don't have any desire to take a side normally, but I hate the commanders this season. I think the bears are still a little bit better than them. And if I can get this at a pick them, I'm inclined to think that the bears come out ahead at home here. Uh, I lean strongly to the commanders, but there's like, some off the field stuff that has kind of derailed me that like this could, this could be one you, of the, 
You, so, you mean like you mean like your head coach absolutely or, throwing your quarterback under the bus? Right. So, you know, candidly speaking, a few weeks ago, I, I identified Carolina as one of those teams. I'm like, you know, Matt Rule is going to get fired. This team is not getting up for these games. They're consistently underperforming against the spread, like dating back to last season. There's maybe something there. I think there's probably something there with Ron Rivera as well. Uh, the, the, the team on paper, personnel wise, is not as bad as they are playing. Um, even with Carson Wentz, like I don't like Carson Wentz. He's not a good quarterback, but we have seen him at least at times show flashes before, and he's not really doing that at all with Washington. Uh, it's still commanders or nothing. I'm not laying points with the bears. Like you can, even if it's one, I, I, I cannot fundamentally get to the bears being favorites. Uh, we should point out it is very likely to be a win game. Uh, looking at the winds now, it's like 18 miles an hour expected with some stronger gusts as well. I don't even know who that favors. I guess maybe Washington actually has some semblance of a run defense. They can't defend the pass whatsoever this year. Maybe this helps them. I don't know. But um, it, well, you don't really need to defend the pass against the Bears because they, well, they run the wishbone. Exactly. They. I, I cannot believe that offense. I actually can't believe the Bears' offense is a real life offense. And they they covered like this one. They covered against the Vikings. Expected points in that game must have been Vikings by like three or four touchdowns. I, if you were to just look at that box score and say, which of these teams won and by how much you're not getting Vikings by whatever it was, you know, seven it's, it's Vikings by 24 or something like that. So I don't know how the bears do it. Um, but I, I, this might be the one where Washington finally is, 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 you know, gets a W again. So, uh, it's, it's commanders or nothing. I very likely will not have a bet though. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I you know, I hate both of these teams. That feels like that it should go without game. saying. This is the wet blanket bowl. Yeah, it feels like it should go without saying. I hate these teams. I did bet Chicago at uh, plus one. Uh, you know, early in the market when this was kind of vacillating back and forth. Um, I do think Chicago should be favored in this spot, but I will say, like, I have a decent opinion, at least of their defense. Uh, I have a bad opinion of pretty much every other unit in this game. So I think like for them, that is what distinguishes them. That is why I do have them as favorites in this spot. Uh, I mean, yes, I did bet on Chicago because I am a degenerate and it is Thursday night football. And I, I did show value. I do show value on them, but it's not a bet that I actually like. I'm very happy I have a soccer game during my uh, Thursday night football, so I do not have to watch this game. I'm yeah, very real winners are going to be the people who don't watch. That For was sure. the case last Thursday, uh, and that will be the case this Thursday. That is the case most Thursdays. Yeah. These games are terrible and need to be stopped. They never will be, but we don't need we don't need Thursday night football. That's just the reality. I, I would agree. I mean, I, I watch the games regardless, so maybe I'm doing a disservice. We're, yeah, we're, you know. we're part of the problem. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to get at. I mean, we're, we're, we say this, right? Like, we don't need Thursday night football. I literally watch the game every single week and do not miss, like, I, I, I'll, I'll miss events to watch Thursday night football games. So it's, it's the sad reality of where I am as a football fan right now. We're sick, sick people. But guys, that is going to do it for us. Rob, we have kept you far too long. Thank you so much for joining us today. One more time, where can people find you and the great work you're doing around the internet and with the Hammer Network? Yeah, for sure. So anyone who wants to check it out, you can visit thehammer.bet. Uh, tons of content up there. 
um, hockey season starting now, so we'll have some hockey stuff up there as well. But we're, we're packed with football, uh, NFL, college football over the course of the week. Whether you consume written, podcasts, video, it's all there. So check out the hammer.bet. And also, if you're just looking to line shop, uh, use my line shopping service. That's BetStamp. You can download that on Android or iOS and check it out at BetStamp.app as well. Guys, thank you again so much for tuning in here today. Thank you one more time, Rob, for joining us. That is going to do it for our Week 6 rankings. Tune in on Thursday. Of course, we will be breaking down our favorite games of the Week 6 slate. But for now, guys, we'll see you next time, and let's cash those tickets.